Raven Quest, Book One. Here be dragons. Written by Benjamin Raven Presley. Chapter One. Skies. It was not so long ago that they dwelt among us, creatures of power and majesty. Some called them dragons, thunder lizards, fire breathers, many other names. The names they recall describe some aspect, some characteristic of them, but they were a people just as sure as I and my people. They were the Zamaj, as it is written in ancient text, Hiksum Dragones, or as many translate it, Here be dragons, if only it were so. No one alive today has seen one. Maybe they never existed. Maybe they were just fables, but deep inside of me I have always believed that surely they must have existed. The stories written of them are too vivid to ignore. The world we inhabit we call... Terezim. It is said by sages of old that there are other worlds beyond our sky, and that is where the Zamaj now live. Some say it is a thin veil from their world to our own. I do not know. Whatever our world was before me, I don't know. All I know is it is now a place of fighting and overwhelming selfishness. One people killing another and another people killing them. I am Raven. I left my people two Solaris ten lunas ago in the time of my thirtieth Solaris. At least I think that's right. Tracking time seems less and less important as days go by. I've estimated 12 lunas for every one Solaris that passes. On a staff I carry, I track the lunas by pulling down a bead on one of the strings hanging from my staff, and I carve a ring for every Solaris. Anyway, like I said, I left my tribe two Solaris or so ago. I cannot bear the fighting any longer. They fought over roads. They fought over where to place their shelters. They fought over whose deity was supreme. You name it, they fought over it. I am at peace living in the wild, with only the four-leggeds as my friends. Their ways make more sense to me. I've discovered a dry cave that is well hidden and uninhabited, and I've made a comfortable bed there. There's water to drink, food enough for all. Does a man need more than these things? That being said, I feel there is part of me that is on some inward journey. It is like there is a part of me more alive and wise than what I call myself. Not the person I see reflected in the still water, but something more alive. I love this place. A wolf and his family stop by sometimes. Sometimes they bring me meat. Sometimes I give them meat. A young bobcat often comes by to roll around in my soft bed of feathers and leaves covered with a deer hide. He likes to play and swat at the many strings and beads hanging from my staff. He seems to always know when I have fish to eat. Sometimes when I wait, they are there beside me. I have called the male wolf Altair and his mate Alcool. The cat I have called Platus because of his mischievous and playful nature. And as at pieces I am with living on the four-legged surrounding me, that was about to change. Recently, I met another two-legged who had struck out on her own. I met her one day as she was hiding in the cleft of two joining rocks with a small opening between them. There was a huge black Bruin bear that was trying their best to get to her. He was growling and salivating. He was screaming and threatening the creature and poking at him with a spear that, that was little more than a pointed stick. I could tell she was in trouble. I was viewing this scene from a good distance away, but close enough for a stone from my sling to reach. Good thing I picked up those stones from that riverbed I crossed. I loaded one up and swung my sling several revolutions above my head. Then whack! It was like that stone had a mind of its own. It was on a mission. Whack! Pow! It found its target right to base that old Bruin's skull. He raised a paw as if rubbing his head and turned around to see where the object of his pain came from. Growling obscenities, I am sure. I threw another and another, each finding their mark. This is one of my better days on my sling. Finally, he growled his final complaint and disappeared into the thick wood. Animals of all kinds who apparently had been viewing the scene with interest, but hidden now, came out of their hiding places slowly and cautiously and watched as the Bruin disappeared. They all they began to chatter and as if they were all laughing, and I got the feeling they didn't like this bully either. I watched from a perch as she came out of hiding. She too, like the Bruin, was looking around for where the stones came from. 
She picked up a stone, arming herself, searching for a rescuer, but also ready to take on whoever it was in case they meant to harm her. I just kind of sat back from my vantage point and watched a while. She was beautiful, a little beaten and bleeding from her battle with the Bruin, but still a beauty to behold. She was not of my tribe. She dressed differently than the women of my tribe. Her clothing was not of animal skin, but seemed to be woven from some type of fiber. She was shapely, and she was dark-haired. There were markings of some type on her skin. I pounced down from my hiding place in the rocks just for the fun of it. I held my spear in front of me, not in a threatening manner, just holding it on ready with both hands. I circled her, staring at her a little menacing, just enough to worry her a little, you know, just for the fun of it. But as I circled, she moved in a circle also. So my spear and her with her rock, it was kind of comical, and I was savoring the moment. Who are you? What name are you called? I said. Who are you? What name are you called? She said. I asked you first, I replied. We sounded like two children. She then said, hmm, I am Leolus of the Sky People. My people are fierce and fear no one, and we all see all things from the mountains where we dwell yonder. I knew of the people in the mountains she spoke of. They were no more. One had to but look at the mountain to see that it looked like it had been split in two. I remember when it happened. It was the worst storm I'd ever seen. It seemed all of Terezin was shaking. I had already left my people a few lunas back, and I watched from the opening of my cave, wondering if the mountain I was on was going to crumble also. But as soon as I saw their mountain crumble, the storm subsided. Do you speak of Therizum? I asked. That mountain crumbled many lunas ago. Who do you think you're fooling? She then dropped her stone and began to cry. It is so. I may be the only one of my kind that is left. The only reason I escaped their fate is because I chose to leave them like a day before the storm came. I returned the next day only to find piles of rubble on the side of the mountain where my village once stood. Since then I have stayed in makeshift shelters, mostly nests in the trees and ate plants and roots. So if you mean to kill me, then try if you will, but I warn you I shall not go easy. I wasn't sure what to say. How do you follow and act like that? I just looked at her. It was then I noticed her eyes, as blue as the skies. I had never seen eyes of this color before. I was captivated by her eyes, and it seemed to melt her defensive posture. I dropped my spear, and she dropped her stone, and we embraced. She cried more, and I welled up a little myself. We connected that day on a level I cannot explain. It was like a destiny that was finally fulfilled. I invited her home with me, and I asked her if there was anything she needed to get. She said, I got a spear, jokingly, and we both laughed as we remembered her pointed stick she fought away the broom with. It was joy unspeakable in the days ahead until this day. She loved the softness of my bed, the warmth of my hearth. She admired the workmanship of my spears and slings and jewelry. She was also glad to have meat again. I remember the first day she met my four-legged friends. It was a little out of the ordinary because they all were traveling together that day. Perhaps it was a new smell that lured them to my home that day. They came waltzing in like usual, but sampling the air with their noses. It was then that Leola sat up from her bed and stretched and yawned. Platt's hair stood up on end, and he arched his back, making the most awful hiss, startled and snorting, and making a noise as only a startled cat can make. Altair just lay down there nearby, just watching the show in his usual laid-back manner. Leola screamed. Platt jumped straight up in the air, and the several strings of beads and decorations I was working on, hanging from the ceiling, somehow he became entangled in its web and was suspended in the air in a hilarious display. He still hissed, and you could see the embarrassment on his face. I sat up about this time, saying, what is going on? I then saw Plattis and started laughing my head off. Altair was bouncing about and giving some playful woofs, his way of laughing, I suppose. Then along came the pups, battling at Plattis like a piñata. Poor kitty. Penaliolus was laughing also. I said laughingly, I see you met my friends. I didn't know they were going to bring entertainment with them this morning. Allow me to introduce Altair, Akul, and their pups. The hanging thing is Plattis. 
We all laughed again, and I merciful untangled Platus from his web, and I petted him till he purred, and Altair and Alcool just plopped themselves in bed with Leolus. Leolus just smiled and stroked their thick, beautiful, soft fur. I smiled as I poured out some goat's milk for Platus, but got devoured by the pups before he had a chance to get any. You could hear him complaining under his breath with a low yowl, and all was well at Raven's Way. Whatever else troubled Terezim, all was well in this place I called home. In the days ahead, we all became like one big family. The pups grew bigger each day. Eventually, we had to give them names. The female we called Akula, after her mother. The boys we called Altara and Balazim. Altara we named after his father. The other two we named because he seemed to be tripping and rolling on the ground a lot. But he always got back up and held his own pretty well in a tussle with his siblings. There were times we would all be walking in the wood and realize we'd been walking two or more sunsets. But we never kept track of such things, really. We would just pitch our camp wherever the trail led. It was on one such day that we crested a hill covered with beautiful green grass and flowers that we beheld the most beautiful sight. A waterfall in a near distance that seemed to come from higher than any mountain we had ever seen and tumbled down into the river below. We all stood there in awe at its beauty and wonder. It was then I looked into Leola's eyes and was as if our thoughts became as one. I took the necklace from about my neck and she took the one from hers. We exchanged these rings that had encircled our necks and had been with each of us for so long. I am Raven. So is my name of purpose, as given me by the Creator of all things. In your eyes I have seen the skies. My life with you is like nothing I have ever known. Wherever I am with you, I am home. When we are together, it is always fresh and new. It is always exciting just being with you. When passion arises, it can be like a hurricane, or it can be gentle as the falling rain. I look in your eyes and bask in the love we have known. I call you Leolus no more, for you are sky eyes. Forever I will be your prince and your warrior, your lover and your friend, and forever we shall be as one. I will love you true. And then she said, And so I shall ever be your skies. When I am with you, there is no past, only that which is and is to come. In your arms I have known safety, peace, and love. I was so alone in a world of so many people until I met you. Then we met, and I knew we were meant to be together as one, and we will be a mighty people, you and I. As we live, love, laugh, and conquer, not as two any longer, but as one, I will love you truly and always. It was then a most unusual sight took place. It was as if the waterfall that was casting off its rainbows, that one seemed to encircle us as we embraced. Never had I seen such a thing that take place. We truly had become one, tied up in all the colors of the rainbow. It was a place with a rising, refreshing wind upon our skin, and a sun rising, casting light upon us, as if choreographed by a master hand, as indeed it was that our eyes met. Zephyr winds swirled around us, and like great hands bore us up into a place where we became one. It was far above all we had been through. It was as if we had no past at all, and as if we had known each other for all time, and we became one, and loved like no one had ever loved before us. Every moment together, even unto this day, transcends the dawn and the light. Every moment we are together transcends the darkness and the night. Every moment transcends time and space. In each other's eyes all fades away and melts in that moment's presence. Every ugly reminder of our past dies in the light of this ever-present moment. Every touch places deep within us, never touched by anyone else. Every breath takes our breath away, and yet breathes life into every part of our being. It is like a master creator is forming our every moment, and indeed it is so. And somehow I know, no matter how life tries to invade, with its tumult and storms, I know we are safe in our palace of love, a dream within a dream come true. Safe, safe within one another's arms. Unbeknownst to skies, I had built a comfortable shelter nearby during a previous visit here. It was a roomy, comfortable A-frame shelter with a thatched roof of some wonderful long grasses that grew nearby, tight and cozy. 
This floor was elevated, covered with soft, dry grass. It became a very important and sacred place to me, and I visited there from time to time and often burned the fire of incense to the Creator and spoken with Him in my heart. Little did I know that this would be the place we would spend our first night as one, though we felt as if we were one for quite some time. This day we sealed, acknowledged, and blessed by the Creator of all things, our four-legged friends, seem to know as if and as if they wandered afar and skies and i spent a night of love like we have never known before 